0: That's dope. This episode is sponsored by my good friends at Bullish. Stay tuned for more information on this amazing company later in the episode. There's been endless debate as to whether any single blockchain can scale for mainstream adoption. What happens when we have one billion, two billion, or three billion? people using any given blockchain well mance harman from hedera told me that they've already processed 2 billion transactions in a few years and that they can scale to effectively any level here's why i have endless conversations about blockchains layer ones layer twos roll-ups we've got it all when we talk to all of the founders of these projects but you actually have some unique value propositions that are different from from the others that I'd love to hear you talk
1: about. You know, we are we and and that's intentional. Uh, it, we are very different than all the other layer ones that that I'm aware of. You know, who knows what's going to be coming out in the future, but uh, it's different in both in terms of the technology as well as in the governance model. Um, a lot of people maybe have heard about Hashgraph. Hashgraph is something that my co-founder. Lehman Baird invented. He developed that. He started it in 2012, worked for years to try and solve this really hard problem. Specifically, how do you maximize security for a consensus algorithm, reach the limit, theoretical limit of what's possible, while simultaneously maximizing the performance? Because there's always been this trade-off
0: Yeah,
1: we got a a problem there. We got performance versus security. And and he solved the problem. It it, it is a fundamental advance in the state of the art. It's uh, rock solid. We call it hash graph. And we knew when he invented it in 2015, this is a really big deal. Bitcoin had made the market. I mean, when he started all this in 2012, it had nothing to do with Bitcoin. He just wanted to solve this cool math problem because he's a you know he's that kind of guy, and um, and so in 2015 when he actually did it, we said, "Holy cow! You know, look at what's going on in the world of Bitcoin. We have something that could change the world, literally." So we decided to dive in, and two years later, we when when we were ready to create a public network on this new technology, Hashgraph, we wanted to take a lesson from the past in terms of how you govern a global public infrastructure in a decentralized distributed way and uh, i read a book by a guy guy named d hawk who is the founder of visa back in the 1960s before it was visa it was called bank americard yep and um, and indeed recorded his challenges, his experiences, and the governance model for that earliest of of visa networks back in the 60s. And I marked up the book and we applied it to our context here. And, And what it looks like is a governing body that is today, it's 26 strong, we're growing to 39 these are the largest organizations in the world. The biggest companies, it's a, the Google, it's literally Google and Boeing and Deutsche Telekom and IBM and, and their banks, Nomura and Standard Bank out of South Africa, and Shinhan, DBS and, and others and, and their global law firms, DLA Piper and, and others. I mean, it's that caliber of organization that we created back in 2017 when we started all this, and uh, and they govern they they govern the network. It, today we call it effectively it would be called a DAO. When we did all of this way back then, pre DAO, it was pre DAO. Yeah. It's pre DAO. Today it would be called a DAO. But the combination of hashgraph in its performance and security with this new governance model that is. This world-class set of, of, of uh, organizations running the nodes, they create the network, and they govern the network, gives us an incredible value proposition, especially for mission-critical use cases. I mean, it's meant to be enterprise-grade and mission-critical grade, and, and we built it that way from the ground up. And so that's what we focus on.
0: In 2017, when you yeah. talk about putting together that governing body, yeah, we were still in the retail FOMO bull run phase, but we did not necessarily have a lot of believers in the technology or the long term future of it. How are you able to onboard companies like Google? It's crazy.
1: You know, no, you're right. In fact, I remember when we began to raise money back then for Hedera, people said you you're never gonna be able to get a council like what you're envisioning. Have you ever had two enterprises, global enterprises, try to work together, let alone 39, which is the where we're going. We're at 26 today, like I said. So we, we didn't know if we could do it. and um, but, but what we did know is that we had something special, both in terms of the technology and a belief in a governance model that we thought enterprises would buy into. They... Want to do business with organizations that look and feel like they do, right? I mean, when you, if you're a big company and you're considering spending millions of dollars to build an application or adapt on top of one of these public networks, um, you think long and hard about, well, who am I going to get a service level agreement from?
0: Yeah. You, you know? It's not going to be a bunch of uh, anonymous uh, farm characters from Twitter.
1: No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and they care about, Well, here's a good analogy, right? So when you think about Netflix, the relationship between Netflix and Amazon Web Services, AWS. If AWS were crashing or going down, you know, once a quarter even, for any period of time, Netflix is going to find another provider. And so we knew that to be able to attract the kind of organization that we wanted to our council... We had to have a technology that could be bulletproof and could be enterprise grade. And we had to speak the language of enterprise and, and convince them that not only are they going to be using this platform, they also get to direct its evolution and its product roadmap and have a say in its legal and regulatory posture, all of these things that matter to enterprises that are going to spend millions and millions of dollars building their businesses on, on top of a layer one. Even though back then they didn't know what the use cases were going to be in the future, sure, they believed that there were going to be use cases right. way back then. Big jump. It was a big jump, and and we, uh, you know, we, we pulled it off.
0: So how are they using it?
1: Well, so um, the earliest the earliest use case was from DLA Piper, global law firm, and they created a platform that they call Toco which is a tokenization platform, generally speaking. I mean, they originally had in mind tokenization of commercial real estate assets. I mean, the, the value prop that they bring is when it comes to tokenization, the technology is not the hard part. The hard part is navigating the legal and regulatory framework frameworks cross-jurisdiction on a global basis, and that's what they do. So, so they brought that. They were number one, uh, fantastic partner, they didn't they don't have the high volume the high throughput that we really were looking for in the use case to demonstrate the true value prop of Hedera and that has now been announced by another one of our council members Avery Dennison another global company Avery Dennison has a platform that they call atma.io and this is a what I'll call a product cloud platform they help uh, uh, companies that are developing manufacturing some kind of product whether it be apparel or retail or food products or healthcare they provide a platform where if you're if you're making tennis shoes for example you have the raw materials flowing in and these raw materials get combined into a pair of shoes, the shoes themselves have a digital twin, a token, so they're using a the token service. Yeah. And um, that token gets tracked through the whole supply chain through distributors, to retailers, to consumers, and then what we, they call circularity. What's really cool about this though, a uh, couple of things. One is they're also tracking the ESG footprint, you know, the carbon footprint of a pair of tennis shoes as they're being, as they're being manufactured. That makes it possible for the manufacturer, ultimately, when they're completed on this, ultimately to be able to buy offsets through a carbon market programmatically in real time as part of the production process, which, is, which is pretty cool. But the volumes are what's, what, what are exciting. I mean, they currently have 22 billion items in their platform with some of the largest companies in the world. And the amount of usage, you know, real usage on top of our network is just going to be phenomenal to to characterize that. In December, we we crossed a milestone in that we processed our two billionth transaction. And we started in September of 19. That's when the network went live. That's that's pretty quick. That, that makes us the most used layer one platform. If you measure it by the number of transactions, real transactions, actually processed, two billion. Even more so than Ethereum. Even more so than Ethereum. You know, if you measure it in that way, we're the most used layer one. But but we sort of designed it that way, right? We we wanted to attract high volume use cases. Atma Io from Avery Dennison. That one product that one use case is going to drive many many billions of transactions per year just from the one right and and that's that's what's exciting right that's something that this industry has never seen everybody's kind of talked about well what happens when crypto grows up this is what it looks like
0: i've asked i can't even count how many people at this point that exact question what is what does it look like when we actually onboard a billion people or two billion people or three billion people? Because it seems right now that things are breaking yes, left and right. So, I, I mean, from the outside looking in, because I would say that the story you're telling right now yeah. is not that well-known. No, it's not. For better or for worse, yeah, yeah. right? But sure. But you see other chains that like Solana that's five times in five months has been down for at least five hours. Yeah, no, look, I completely because, get it. Because a single NFT project can freeze it. or right. or, or, you know, s- this network being spammed. Sure. Well, look, he- here's the deal. Um... Everybody knows that there are advantages to trading on both centralized and decentralized exchanges. But why not choose an exchange like Bullish that offers the best of both worlds? bullish's total trading volume recently exceeded $25 billion in just seven months since they launched. And they have the best liquidity in the game when it comes to Bitcoin USD. Now, Bullish has released the first major upgrade to its liquidity pool technology with the introduction of a concentrated range-bound liquidity pool for the Bitcoin-USD trading pair. This upgrade triples the order book depth within a range of 2%, making it one of the world's deepest Bitcoin-USD trading pairs. This industry-leading order depth means you can trade confidently at scale with clearly understood price impact. You should check them out immediately at bullish.com slash Melker. When Lehman was trying to solve this
1: problem that we talked, we started with, he didn't quit until he actually achieved that fundamental advance. He spent years trying to figure it out and it makes all the difference in the world. It's something just to be technical about it. It's something called asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance. A lot of the uh, proof-of-stake layer ones will say they're BFT, and they, and they are. But the asynchronous piece of it is all important because when you, if you don't have asynchronous part, the part of it, that part of it, what it means is that real-world problems like denial-of-service attacks can bring your network down. If you're asynchronous BFT, then you eliminate those um, points of failure, those single points of failure, that can be attacked and cause, whether it's intentional or not, it could be malicious or just accidental. If there are these single points of failure in the network, in your consensus architecture, then you have the kinds of problems that the market has been experiencing. ABFT eliminates those single points of failure, and we're unique in the industry with that. That's part of the solution. The other part is that you have to be able to scale. And if you if you start with a rock solid brick. You know, if you start with an ABFT brick, then the house that you build at scale looks very different, fundamentally different, than if you start with something less than an ABFT brick. And we just haven't cut any corners. We, we've, we've started with the goal in mind of playing the long game and addressing enterprise grade, you know, mission critical applications and use cases with with this technology and this governance model. And we sort of ignored the, uh, the fads of the industry over the years and stuck with that,
0: is that there, focus. Is there any level of scale that it becomes scary that something could break? Can you literally onboard the entire world to be using this as their core you know, settlement layer for no. all transactions? Well, or? look,
1: it's a great question. So here's the thing. If you look at... What we have today um, that is just sort of version one, and it's not scaled, it's a single network run by these council members that I described, we, can, we have capacity to process 10,000 transactions per second in this single network. Now, I think that that network alone will go up by some factor, three, four, five, who knows? But to scale, you then add more networks. It's called sharding. Yeah. And technically, it's sharding. Right. You scale through sharding. And uh, you know through sharding, we easily can process what the payments networks are, are processing today. I have no question uh, that we can process what the payment networks are processing.
0: Which is incredible because there are certain things that centralized networks are better at right You're decentralization right. in general has not solved everything because the by virtue of being centralized the visa network or these networks are extremely fast they're and extremely
1: and they should be but they're not as efficient as they could be here's another point to sort of demonstrate the point um, because of the architecture of hashgraph and the way that it works we're not only incredibly Performant fast in terms of throughput and low latency in terms of coming to finality in a transaction. But we use a tiny fraction of the electricity that that everyone else uses. I mean, everyone knows proof of work is terrible and we blow away proof of work. We also, if you look at... Um, Ethereum proof of work system.
0: is terrible for that i, I do for think that. that i do think bitcoin in its oh yeah not as not a, a as a digi- of, as a digital gold yeah <laughs> no no work, that, right.
1: i'm not it's not an argument against the sure. use case sure. it's it's the technology sure. that i'm focused on 100% yeah so i mean so but all proof uh, proof of stake systems are going to do way better than proof a work, proof of work in general, system right. in general absolutely but when you compare the proof of stake systems Uh, And we didn't do this comparison. University College of London actually did the work and published a report and others have as well that show that on a per transaction basis, we're the best in the market. Not only that, this has come full circle, we are 74 times more efficient in terms of electricity usage per transaction than the Visa network, right? We're better than Visa and it's centralized, So there's a lot of room for improvement uh, and on all levels, including, uh, you know, being carbon neutral or carbon negative. And that's going to become increasingly important as these enterprises who are the ones that primarily care about their carbon footprint, go to, you know, begin to try and really account for that carbon footprint and buy offsets. What it means ultimately is that when they have a supply chain, or they're using uh, uh, partners and vendors to help them go to market with whatever it is, that they have to take into account the carbon footprint of those partners, right? You have to take into account all your partners and everything up, up the supply chain. Well, if they have to worry about the carbon footprint of a proof of work blockchain, they just can't do it. It blows at everything. And if they care about proof of stake, then it's going to have to be one that's really efficient. And and we are the enterprise-focused platform, and we're the most green of all the layer ones in the market. It's just exactly in our wheelhouse.
0: It's really interesting, though, because the narrative against crypto in general to maybe the uninformed, but some of the informed as well, obviously, is that we have this major energy problem. You actually can solve the energy energy problem for centralized systems that are not receiving the criticism for their energy problem, but they're not even getting the criticism. Nobody's talking about how Visa uses too much electricity.
1: Exactly. We 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 can help. We're going the other direction, right? Instead of instead of making things worse, um, not only we as a platform, if we're a partner or you're using us for whatever, uh, we're going to be carbon neutral or negative in your calculation, but um, there's a whole ecosystem of ESG partners that are building up around us because of that position and building out a full a full set of services that ultimately enterprises are going to use. You know, carbon markets for the purchase of RECs and offsets. Um, EDF, uh, it's, it's, I think it's the second largest utility in the world, it is the state utility of France, is a council member uh, of Hedera, and they have plans to do exactly what I just said, build out a uh, decentralized exchange for carbon credits uh, as one example. And we have lots of partners in the ecosystem that are filling in the, the gaps and, and the holes in the ESG ecosystem so that we scale up.
0: I'm going to ask you a question that I asked Stacey Warden from Algorand. Okay. Which is, do you feel like you're the adults in the room?
1: <laughs> We're often told that. Because <laughs> she We're said often the same, but that. it's
0: very funny having these conversations with different founders of different things. It feels like maybe the two of you, I don't want to lump you together, but do you feel like Oh, look, you're I the have a lot room? of respect for Algorand,
1: yeah. right? I, I do. And um, it, it's kind of funny you say that because when we started all of this, we literally said we literally said, if we can be the adults in the room and present that, that uh, type of partnership opportunity, then that'll take us a long way. And it has. It has. Just, it, look, we've got gray hair. Uh, you know, We've, uh, me we've been too. doing this for a long time. <laughs> we've been around a long time. And all of those experiences, real world experiences, we we've brought to the table when designing this and and uh, you know architecting the solution and the governance and that was the goal was to be able to have the kind of uh, company or organization network that uh, enterprises would feel comfortable partnering with.
0: Since you have such a unique technological approach to sort of the same problems that, that everybody's trying to solve here has anybody tried to copy you?
1: You know there are people that have used Hashgraph in some form or another it, it it and you know we knew that was going to happen, but um, it's it's not easy to build a layer one protocol, you know. And um, we're open source. Ashcraft is well. That's open why source. I asked. You're open source. We uh, are. In theory. Yeah, I mean, in theory. Well, look, we we open sourced the code base, understanding that it would actually be a good thing if others would take that code base and use it to create their networks, whatever they might be. I mean, they could be a a network focused on a specific vertical application. The more of those that are using our code base, the better, because they seamlessly integrate then with our layer one protocol. They can have communications, secure communications um, among themselves and with us in a way that doesn't exist in the market today. It's something called state proofs. It's kind of technical, but um, we... We wanted to, like when I said, we, if you build the whole house with an ABFT brick, it looks very different. Yeah. This is part of it. It makes it possible to build a neighborhood of houses that are ABFT and those houses can work together fundamentally in ways that are way more efficient and more secure than what we see in the market today. And so we want people to be using a code base in in that way.
0: So let's live in a fantasy world of 10 years from now and everything's perfect and has gone in your ideal fashion. Yeah. What's the most fantastical, spectacular vision that you have for what you're building?
1: It's an interesting question. It's hard to predict where this will go. When we started, we did take literally a hundred year view. I've said publicly many times when we started, we wanted to build a company that was going to be around for 100 years. I, I should call it a network. It's not a company. It's, right. it's more like a, a DAO, a network that's going to be around for 100 years. And Lehman has told this story lots of times. His vision from the beginning was to make it possible for people to sort of reach out and carve out a slice of cyberspace that is their own. And invite their friends and their colleagues and their coworkers to come and join it, them in that that slice of cyberspace to do whatever it is they want to do. Whether it's it's working together or playing together or exchanging goods and services with one another, without the need for a third party that is sort of the referee that you have to trust. Right? Trustless uh, relationships in. Uh, custom carved out slices of cyberspace. That was the original vision for Hashgraph. I think that a public network is a core piece of that, and it will be a bunch of many, many thousands of private networks that do the same thing. When you want to have a, a um, you know conversation with your family, you could spin up a shared world using Hashgraph and have that conversation, whatever form that takes, and you know. No one else is there but you, right? And, and you should be able to do that for games and you should be able to do that for spreadsheets and databases and social, you know, have, you know, have your own social platforms that are all private to you using the services of a global public distributed ledger. That's sort of where Web three o can go and, uh, and that's what we're building towards.
0: I look forward to seeing it in action. So we'll call, we'll call you back in 10 years. Absolutely. So hopefully he long before be that, here. but maybe here in 10 years again, and we'll revisit and see if we've, uh, if we've accomplished all of that.
1: All right. Thank you so Sounds much. Sounds good. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already left a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do that now. Spotify just added ratings, so please go ahead and click that five star. I'll see you guys next time.